Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. It is a Friday edition of Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com. Kyle Alfred and Ray Flowers with you in different spots today. I, I don't know if this will uh, throw everybody off, Ray, but for those who are viewing us live, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. M- maybe I'm on the left and you're on the right. What what I do know, Ray, is on my end, things have flip-flopped. And uh, I, I don't mind. Whoa, now things have really flip-flopped. Um, I, I don't mind it, but that may throw people off as, just as soon as we get started. It, it may, and it's my fault. It's, you know... These technologies are great when they work, and for some reason, everything was set up, everything was in the right spot, and then there was no sound. So <laughs> we had to scramble at the last minute. Yeah, so it's my fault. I apologize. We're on the opposite sides. Hopefully, it doesn't distract the viewers too much today. I'm glad we've got sound because we have a lot of things to address and a lot of things to discuss. Uh, spring training is here. Uh, yesterday, we had the one game, Padres and Dodgers, so things have officially started, and uh, already, Ray... From that game because this is what we do we talk about results we talk about what we saw um we should mention yuki matsui for the padres uh japanese import i believe uh 12 pitches three strikeouts against the dot now this is not Mookie bets freddie freeman and max muncie that he struck out but 12 pitches three strikeouts a perfect arrival uh to the state of arizona to get spring training going and that's not easy to do uh, and obviously there is a chance that he could end up working the ninth inning. We're not certain how it's going to play out. I think we all have our, our, our favorites, if you will, for the position, but uh, there are some bullpens, including that one that are kind of still up in the air. Yeah, I would think so. So there we go. That is your recap of day one of spring training. Uh, a couple of games, I think today, again, tomorrow is the big day, Saturday, everybody gets going. And I would suggest if you got MLB uh, network on the uh, TV side, throw it on Saturday, you're probably going to have baseball from 12 o'clock Eastern until 10 p.m. I'll be showing games all day long. We are talking plenty of baseball today at Fantasy Sports Daily. Let's give you the rundown of what we got. Unfortunately, for all you Mets fans, still a mess. Doesn't matter who you bring in. It doesn't matter what kind of names you change. Uh, There are always injuries in their rotation. Always to the good guys, too. Uh, We've got another one, and it's one that uh, may be with us. For a bit, Ray and I will discuss Kodai Singa unavailable for the start of the season. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Pirates, we were uh, mentioning it maybe a day or two ago. Man, why don't they spend money? Well, now they're spending money. Are they spending it in the right places? Mitch Keller is going to be a buck for quite some time. Uh, We will talk the Detroit Tigers. Things are on the up and up for them. We will talk a loaded shortstop position when we uh, discuss prospects at the position. A lot of guys that are on the edge and soon to arrive in the big leagues. So Ray and I will give you a rundown of them. Uh, We will spotlight Ray's article talking about velocity, both gains and losses in the Fantasy Guru Draft Guide. Got an update on Justin Verlander. We got NFL news as well. Free agency is getting closer. We've got the reports of who's in, who's out. We've got contract restructurings, all that good stuff. So that is the plan for today. Uh, Before we jump into part one of that plan and get going through all these storylines and more, Ray, give us the rundown. Give us the lowdown. Tell us how we can be uh, special subscribers at Fantasy Guru. And by special, I mean getting in at a good rate for 2024. Yeah, we have two main deals going on. We always have deals going on, but we have two main deals going on right now. The first is the baseball deal. We talk about it every day here on the show. We highlight the articles. It's the baseball product, the full season product, which is available early bird pricing for $50. You use the promo code that you see on the screen, FSD20. FSD20, that drops the price down 20%, gets you to you for $40, gets you all the articles, Discord access, all the rankings through the entire regular season for one low price of just $40. We also have a second deal, which is now on the screen. That second deal is $74.99, kind of for everything else. Not quite, but pretty much for everything else. NHL, NBA, PGA, college basketball, MMA, soccer, and racing, all of it. And when I say all of it, I mean all the sports, all the DFS, and all the wagering. So really is all of it. So that's for $75. And again, you can always globally try the promo code FSD20 uh, for a discount on the products at fantasyguru.com. Okay, so that is the layout for uh, all the things we do. And I think it's important to mention, we obviously you know, focus on baseball and football a lot, but uh, no matter what wets your whistle, 
sports wise, it's all covered. And and Ray mentions that all in package. Uh, NCAA basketball about a month away from the madness, uh, from it really being hot and heavy. Of course, we got tournament week, all that stuff going on. So if you're into that side and looking to kind of turn some knowledge into winnings, uh, that'll be something you want to have for the month of March. NBA, NHL, soccer, MMA racing, all that stuff. Really, really good. Okay, with that taken care of, Ray, let's get into uh, what we are here to discuss, which unfortunately is another injury. And unfortunately, it's to the New York Mets again. Unfortunately, it's to their rotation. This, this is kind of funny. Right? I mean, it's been not funny. It's been going on, Ray, for like 10, 12 years. Doesn't it feel like? I mean, this goes all the way back to the Harvey days, the Cindergard days, uh, the DeGrom days. And, you know, last year, Verlander and Scherzer. And now we get the news on Kodai Singa, which you and I brought up, hey, there's a, uh, what they call it, arm fatigue was the initial mm-hmm. report. And then after we had gotten off air yesterday, well, it's a little more than arm fatigue. It's a shoulder issue that will indeed throw him onto the IL to start the season. And Ray, honestly, we don't have much of a of a time span here, at least a, a guess as to the time span of the IL spent when maybe he's going to be back for the Mets. Yeah, former GM Jim Bowden was on Sirius yesterday, and he's like, he said, look, folks, you can get mad at me all you want. I'm just telling you the Mets pitching staff sucks. It's not my fault. It's like, <laughs> that's, I'm paraphrasing. Um, but, yeah, that Singa thing, and, and, you know, we've been around a long time doing this, Kyle, and anytime, I think, anytime I see something like this, the you know, the antenna goes up. I'm sure it did with you, too. Fatigue, yeah. why, you shouldn't be fatigued the first week. You've been there three days. So, Turns out that it seems like the muscle issue is on the backside of his shoulder. And it's one that I did some digging here on this. Basically, it seems like most likely he'll get some kind of injection, cortisone, PRP. They'll do something in the shoulder. And then most of the reports I saw, saw three to four weeks of not doing anything. It's just a rest period. Because the problem is if you start ramping this back up and it hits you again, now we got to rest for two months, right? It's one of those things. So if we're truly looking at him resting for a month, and then having to, you know, ramp back up, he's probably out two, three months. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a legitimate possibility from today, right? So not into the, so two or three months from today. So if we're talking eight to twelve weeks. He's obviously not ready for the start of the season, and it's possibly misses the entire month of April. So you know, because of the uncertainty with this, he plummeted down the rankings at FantasyGuru.com because we just don't know. I mean, it's got to be at least one hundred and fifty spots, right? I mean, when you're talking about two, three months out, that's a third of the season, and, and God knows after that, but. Like I, I'm looking, you know, I'm in that slow draft, and here's the beauty of a slow draft: as news comes along, things adjust. Going into this draft, and and this is, you know, I think we're using fan tracks. This is their ranking. I don't know if yours was hugely different, Ray, but they had single 51st overall. Um, so that would have probably put them in the top 20 pitcher somewhere around there, maybe mm-hmm. top 15. Right. We are now nearing the end of the sixth round, and this is a 15 teamer. So, Ray, we're near it. We're almost 90 picks in, and he's still out there. And I, I, I'm i not going to touch him. <laughs> you no. know, this is, now, in this league, it's 50 rounds. It's draft and hold. So, there will be a spot where it's totally worth it to take Kodai sure. Singa because you got 50 spots. You know, there's a lot of guys on your bench, and a lot of them are going to be injured like Singa. So, he will go eventually. But, Ray, that that's a pretty, you know, live and in-the-moment update as to where he's falling. He's... He's not anybody that you can be drafting, I would say, before the – I wouldn't draft him before the 15th round in a 12-team league, Ray. I, I wouldn't touch him. And I'm a little – I'm a little more proactive when it comes to injuries like this. I, mm-hmm. I tend to just bail on him. And and that mm-hmm. hasn't always worked out. Uh, I remember last year in spring training, Felix Bautista – was dealing with things, you know, had shoulders, or, you know, it was just a little slow. It wasn't a ready to go, ready to power through spring. And I mostly marked him off my board, Ray. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, hard thrower dealing with army. I don't want to touch this. Now we all know how it ended up. The guy probably would have gotten Cy Young vote. He probably would have finished like top three in the Cy Young if he had stayed healthy, even though he missed the last, what, six weeks, he was insanely good. I didn't draft him anywhere, Ray. I, I missed out on all that, and he was like a guy who fit my profile. You didn't have to – but I, I bailed on him because of the spring injury. Again, it didn't work, but eventually the, the injury caught up to him. You know, eventually he blew out his arm. He's going to miss all this season. So I'm not 100% right on these. I missed on Batista, but Singa, for me, mostly forget – I may get him in this league because of the setup, right. and hold, but in a normal league, I, I don't want to bother with a guy like this. 
Yeah, he dropped 30-plus spots yesterday. And again, as we get more information, that might end up being 45 spots in the pitcher rankings. And you're right, because I, I look at the rankings at FantasyGuru.com, and you know he's right near you, Darvish, Nathan Eovaldi. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense, right? Those guys constantly, or not constantly, Eovaldi constantly has health issues. Darvish dealt with things recently. He's aging. He's approaching 40. So you're kind of in that range of we're trying to guesstimate how long do these guys hold on. And I think in general, I think the position that you laid out there is the right position to take. It's why it's the other night. And frankly, you know, we're talking about this, about my, my labor draft. You can find the, the write-up over at fantasyguru.com. Why didn't I take Tyler Glasnow? Why did I take Yamamoto? It's exactly this reason. Because mm-hmm. Glasnow never throws innings year after year after year. And it's one thing to say I'm, uh, I'm leery of a guy that consistently fails to do something. It's a whole other thing when the guy can't do it right now. And so, yeah, there's just better shots to take. Uh, everyone has to determine when that fall is, is good enough for them to take the shot. But uh, erring on the side of caution, I think, is is the right way to play this. And, and I'm looking, you know, Kodai Singa, here's the thing you got to realize. The dude's in his 30s. Mm-hmm. You know, he's obviously only been one year in the major leagues. And it was a very good year. I mean, if he were healthy, this guy deserves to be an SP2. There's no doubt. Like his first year in the big leagues, April was a little rough. And then after that, this guy was one of the best pitchers in the National League. I mean, he was looking at him, setting him down, and going to the next guy. He was doing that for five months. He had a lot of good starts. But, Ray, because of his age, there's a lot of mileage on this arm. And if you look at, you know, he was in the MPB, the Nippon Professional Baseball League, for 11 years. And he threw 1089 innings. Now, a lot of, he he started as a reliever in his early 20s, but he was a starter from, Oh, I guess you would say it looks like from about 2014 to 2022 in the MPB. There's a lot of mileage on this arm. And overall, Ray, remember, when you're healthy over there, you throw only 25 to 28 starts. Right. They don't have guys over there making 32. 30. That's not how they roll. Okay. So I, I And I don't know his whole history, Ray, but I am seeing one year of all those years um, where he had less than 20 starts, which was actually 2021. He had 18. But other than that, Ray, this guy didn't have injuries. He didn't have a, a missed season or anything like that. So at 31, with in effect now over 1,500 professional innings on your arm, these are expected things, and they don't always end up well. You know, it's Ray, you're kind of pushing it 1,500 without having a major arm issue. You know, it's that's just how it goes in baseball now. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, again, this could be a minor thing. And on you know April 12th, he's throwing darts for the Mets. Like that's possible here, right? It is. Is it likely? No, it just isn't. And given the track record of the team, whether you want to factor that in or not, it's it's there. Given his age, uh, given the 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 importance of Senga to the Mets, right? They're not going to push him at the start of the season, I would think, right? Given all of these things, it's just it, the prudent position is to be cautious. Mm-hmm. And the again, the caution might mean he's SP thirty five for you. Maybe it's forty five for you. Maybe it's fifty five for you. Like. You have to decide where that line is, but just understand that it's, you know, you say this all the time, you usually say it in football, but you say it all the time. Once a guy is hurt at the start, yeah. they don't usually get healthier going forward, right? And Sanka's hurt now, and that raises the level of concern. Yeah, and and the comparison with football rate fits for pitchers, especially. Hitters, not as much. It always depends on the injury, but it's an arm injury for a pitcher. What does he use? His arm. I mean, so these are things like he may come back and pitch and – you know, hey, nowadays, if you get 120 innings, who cares? That's fine. We all have to deal with it. You know, it's 10 years ago. It's like, I can't deal with that crap. I need 190 innings, but we just don't live in that world anymore. So there will be people take them, um, and maybe he's fine. But again, of all the things we have to worry about and deal with and concern ourselves with, this is one of those that's fairly easy for me. It's He's going to be, you know, I hate to say undraftable. There's always a spot for every player, but he's not of interest to me. He's he's not a guy I'm going to reach on or a guy that I'm I'm willing to say, okay, I'm fine sitting around for two months. That's not going to be my, that's not my choice. Uh, Ray may go that route. You may go that route, but not for me. Uh, with the Mets, Ray, is there anything you get excited about as the fill-in? I don't see much from a typical fantasy player's perspective. As uh, The Mets even came out and said, we're really just going to, you know, kind of, spit and glue this thing together we're not like bringing up some uber prospect or pushing a guy we're, we're probably gonna go to the veteran route and just find guys to eat innings well i mean tyler mcgill becomes intriguing uh for those of you that are have an appetite for accepting 
strikeouts and mediocrity. <laughs> um, because, I mean, he can strike guys out. And it certainly looks like he's got the upper hand now to, to be part of the rotation. Because, like you said, it doesn't sound like, you know, they're not going to go get Jordan Montgomery or anything like that. So, you know, eh, I mean, they're, they're in trouble. I mean, that's just, you know, Shamanaya really looked good last year. He's added velocity. He's added some pitches to his mix. But we've seen this game before, and it's, you know, it's tough to count on him. Adrian Hauser's a nobody. He's just a guy. He's a fifth starter, you know. Luis Severino was, you know, back to throwing 96-97 last year, but really struggled at times. Really struggled, right? There's a rebound coming, but how far? And then Jose Quintana is 106 years old, so it's like, yeah. you know, it's it's bad, Kyle. They, they desperately needed Senga to be that guy making those 32 starts, and they're not going to get it. So it's a shoulder injury, Ray noted it's kind of on the backside, but you're not going to see him at spring training at all. And then you'll just have to follow the reports. And sometimes these guys come back and they go through all the steps and there's no hiccup and they're back with us on May 1st. Um, other guys in their 30s who've got 1,500 innings without an injury, maybe not. We'll see with Singh. It's, it's totally up in the air. And that's why with drafting, it's up in the air. Uh, depends on your circumstance, your league, kind of the IL rules, all that stuff kind of factors in with Singa. But bad news, no doubt for him. Uh, moving along, Ray, let's talk about some good news. A team that uh, usually does not have any interest in spending money um, has started to spend a bit of money. Remember um, two years ago, Cabrian Hayes, I think, got the early season uh, extension with the Pirates. Last year, they actually gave Brian Reynolds some money. Mm -hmm. And now, Ray, we wake up to the fact that Mitch Keller is going to earn some money. Uh, five years, like $77 million is the report. Uh, which I'm just going to say this, Ray, off the top, because, um, you know, as old guys who are baseball fans, we love complaining right. about war. Um, if you, dear listener, would like to someday earn $80 million over five years, all you need to do is start your career by being 13 games under 500, by having a 4-7 ERA in your career, by having a 1-4-5 whip in your career. <laughs> And by striking out a batter per inning, exactly a batter per inning. All of that, Ray, could earn you $80 million. I'm picking on Mitch Keller. I get it. And I'm picking on the Pirates. But, Ray, I, I guess it's kind of like the quarterback thing of the NFL. Man, when you have a guy that you think could maybe do it, you just pay him. And, and that's kind of what the Pirates are doing here. Mitch Keller is coming off his best season. He was an all-star last year. It has not been an easy road. You know, there are multiple times I bet the Pirates were going to throw in the towel. Mitch Keller might have thrown in the towel on the Pirates. But, Ray, I, I guess, hey, we're wanting these teams and these small markets to spend money. Uh, Keller's not the worst guy to spend money on, but it's just kind of wild that you get that commitment when really you've been a bad pitcher <laughs> for five years, I guess. I saw this floating around yesterday, and I assume it's accurate, Kyle. The, the largest free agent contract that the Pirates have ever given was to Francisco Liriano in 2013. It was $39 million. Like so they're spending in-house. <laughs> they don't know what a free agent is in, in yeah. Pittsburgh. Uh, Mitch Keller is, is really interesting. Mitch Keller, you know, and he, we're talking about velocity later in the show. Mitch Keller was the guy that went to driveline, and there were all these videos of him hitting 100 miles an hour. All, oh, my God, 100 miles, 100 miles, 101, 100 miles an hour. And he came, and he's been better. You know, he has mm -hmm. figured things out to some extent. He's changed his pitch mix up. He's obviously very analytical. He's, he's diving in and pitch shapes and velocities and eye level, all those kind of things that the modern day pitcher needs to be aware of. He wasn't at the forefront of, but he, he's been working on this uh, since really the last three or four years. And I think that Keller is kind of the last of that previous line of pitchers. You know, it started with Garrett Cole, where a lot of people industry-wide said that the Pirates, simply put, the Pirates analytics department, their pitching department, screwed everything up, that they did it all wrong that they were trying to pitch to ground balls, they were trying to pitch to contact, and that's just not the game, the way the game evolved. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you look at Keller, and you can you can see it in his in his game, you can see that the fact that, you know, he comes up and he's not missing any bats, and his, his ground ball rate's really high, and now where's he at? Now he's back to league average and the ground ball rate, the strikeout rate's improving. He attacks batters differently. So I think he is definitely an arm to build around. I think he's a solid option in the fantasy space. It's a reasonable contract. It's not crazy. Um, but you're right. If you look at the overall numbers, it's like, how did that happen? Well, probably his most attractive number from a fantasy perspective, Ray, is 195 innings last year. And, and I will say, it, he's a decent shot to get into that vicinity again. Mm -hmm. And I say that because 
the pirate here's the thing about being an ace on a bad team and i know the pirates are getting better and maybe they're maybe they get to 85 wins this year you know maybe but overall ray they're kind of a a 500 if not lower organization that's kind of where they've been and then they're still growing slow process but growing when, when you're the ace of that kind of team you are sometimes left out there to get us through the fifth inning, get us through the sixth inning. You're the guy who needs to eat up innings because the guys behind you can't. And we trust you, Mitch Keller. We're going to pay you, in effect, to have maybe uglier numbers than you might deserve. Like, I'm looking at last season, Ray. He had a game where he went six innings and gave up eight runs. He had a game where he went five innings and gave up eight runs. He had a game where he went five innings and gave up eight runs. Five and two-thirds innings and gave up seven runs. That, to me, and now he's got a lot of good games that are many good games uh, that he goes six innings with one. But what I'm getting at, Ray, is as a fantasy player, they're going to leave him out there, I think, to take his his beatings, if you will, because they're paying him to be the guy and to deal with this crap and to kind of be a bridge for the younger or less innings guys. He's going to have to suck up innings, which is good on one aspect, but can be bad on other aspects. I think he's a fine pitcher, but I don't know that we're going to wake up and say, oh, that ERA dropped to 3-1. It's, I, I think this guy's always going to be in that 3-9 to 4-3 range. I think he's all in, and the whip is going to be a little higher than you might expect. He'll still be a good pitcher, but I don't think you're going to look at the numbers and see really a good pitcher. Yeah, I think he falls into the, what did we talk about? We were talking about the Rockies yesterday, right? And we talked about Herman Marquez. Like, he kind of falls into that zone. Like you were saying, a guy that throws 190 innings, gets you 180 strikeouts, and gets you double-digit victories because he's out there. Mm-hmm. And then the ratios, you know, Keller's a big, strong guy. All right, the mechanics are good for what that's worth. Uh, he's changed his pitch mix, as I mentioned. He stopped. He basically cut his, chur- his changeup and his curveball way down, added a cutter last year. He's constantly tinkering to find the right mix. So, I, I, again, I like the approach he has. I like the durability he's showing. I, I like the the fact that he got paid, so he can stop. You know, doesn't have to worry about that anymore. But you're right to some respects. Like I'm looking at projection models over at you know Fangrass, and the ERA that they've got projected is four one four two, and the WHIP is about league average. So it's like they're very much what you were saying, Kyle. This is a 195 inning, 190 strikeout play as much as it is anything else, because the ratios don't figure to be anywhere near elite. And, and again, totally fine for the Pirates to do. They got nothing else really in that rotation to get pumped about. So you keep the guys, that you, and they're keeping, you know, Reynolds. They're keeping Hayes. I would suspect if O'Neill Cruz comes out and plays well, they're going to keep him. They've got Tamar Johnson. I mean, it, there's there's a there's a sunrise happening in Pittsburgh. I, <laughs> like, this, these are good things. I, I just don't know if it's going to happen this year and if it's going to happen for Keller in the fantasy world. Um, speaking of teams that uh, sometimes have to fight the challenges, uh, this leads us to today's team preview on Fantasy Sports Daily. Time to talk about the Detroit Tigers, who aren't all that different from the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, they've probably been in a five or six year rebuild. And, and Ray, I don't want to say we're going to have a leap like the Orioles had last season, but uh, this is a similar sort of setup. They, they, nobody has the talent of Baltimore in AAA and in the you know majors, guys who are 22, 23. But Detroit's has kind of arrived. And we're going to talk about Riley Green, who you see. We're going to touch on him. Spencer Torkelson. Uh, we're going to see Colt Keith this year, probably playing a ton for Detroit. On the pitching side, they have not had hits everywhere. You know, Mize and Scooble and... You know, a variety of guys that have come and gone, some guys who've succeeded, some guys who are still trying to figure it out. Uh, They've gone out and added a couple of veterans. This is a team, though, Ray, to start in the AL Central. They they can put up some fantasy numbers, and they can actually contend here. I I, I don't know if they will, but, Ray, it would not surprise me at all if Detroit is duking it out with the likes of Cleveland and Minnesota this year. It's really surprising. I, I don't know how many people, if you're not a Tiger fan, remember this fact, but they were second in the division last year. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's in, yeah, right. And, and, you know, I think they're, they're an interesting mix because there are definitely pieces with the Tigers that are very attractive. There's other pieces that aren't attractive. Um, you mentioned the kind of the, the cast off zone they've got on the pitching side of things, like trying to bring in the vets and hoping to keep, you know, catch lightning, if you will, and pair those with a couple of youngsters and, they do have young talent on the offensive side that's arrived. So they're 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 moving up. They're not, I don't and I, I would have said the same thing about the Diamondbacks last year. Like I don't think this team's winning a World Series. Right? Yeah. 
but they're moving in the right direction finally. Well, we touched on the Marlins yesterday and said, man, if they could just get out of the NL East, the Marlins in Detroit, you know, you throw these guys in the same division, they're they're battling for a, a title. You throw Detroit in the NL East, no way. You know, it's not happening. AL Central can happen. One of the big reasons, Ray, Ray is the player profile we've got here. Riley Green. Um, I, I think for the last three years, Ray, maybe a little more, uh, Green and Torkelson. Torkelson and Green, that was like your your absolute core of what this team and this offense could be. Torkelson made a great move last year, became a power hitter, middle of the order bad. Riley Green also made a, a move in the right direction, but I'm not going to give him the credit of Torkelson, Ray, simply because he didn't make it to the finish line. <laughs> you know, the, the, obviously we got to see what we've been hearing about. We got to see that last year, right. but as we bring it into this season, this is still a guy that we kind of look at and say, okay, the, the tools are there, but we haven't seen it all come together for a season yet. Yeah. Riley Green was the fifth pick in the draft a couple of years back at 2019 or whatever. And you're, you're totally right. The cornerstones of this franchise, if this is going to work for the Tigers with the current group, it's got to be Torkelson hitting 35 home runs and Riley Green being an all-star. That's what they need, right? Because that's that's where we're at. And it's, it is difficult when a youngster fails to play 100 games his first two seasons, as Green has, to get overly excited because you 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 don't quite know. We kind of know, but we don't quite know how he's going to handle 160 games, all those adjustments. Last year, he made adjustments. You know, the batting average greatly improved. The on-base percentage greatly improved. Um, you know, he drove the ball a little bit better. But there was nothing outstanding here. The, the outstanding traits that he has, Green, I think, are as much – you know, off the field is on the field, right? Like he's mm -hmm. a, he's a, he's a good kid. He works hard. Everyone likes him. He's got a broad base of skills. I think everyone predicts him to be an all-star one day, like all of these things. The question really is, does he do enough to get excited about in the fantasy space? Because if he's hitting 19, 21 home runs and he's stealing 11, 13 bases, okay. Right. But he's going to have to play 150 games for those counting categories to get up high enough for us to get excited about it. If he gets there, Ray, uh, to the hundred, you know, full season mm -hmm. in, in this line, I put probably bad. I think right now, most of the things I've seen is probably second in the lineup is kind of what I'm seeing, mm -hmm. which category could be his star turn. You know, mm -hmm. where, where could he be? Is it, is it going, do you just really feel that it's a five category good, you know, five categories good. Or is there one category you think that could really lift off for him? Yes. I think it's the I think it's the Spencer Steer kind of thing. It's just everything is good. Uh, I don't. I again. I don't think I would be very surprised. Like if he hit twenty five home runs, I'd be surprised. Could I'd be surprised? I don't think he steals twenty bases. Like I don't think he's he's just that's not really part of his game. I don't think he's going to hit two ninety five. Right. So you start peeling these things away, and let's say it's two seventy five and twenty home runs and eighty eighty twelve. Right. It's just mm -hmm. good. Maybe Brian Reynolds is another example, like just yeah. good. Right. I think he can be that kind of guy. I don't think there's an outstanding tool here, but I think if we get 150 games. We're going to be very pleased. He's on our teams. What's uh, what's interesting about him, Ray, is you always have to look at these guys within the context of, OK, I see an ADP of 167. I know he's not maybe Ray's favorite or a guy that we're calling for a breakout. But if I'm looking at Riley Green, if I'm interested by that, who are the other guys that are around that spot? Um, and, and I think that's how you always have to treat these guys. You know, do I like Riley Green or Chaz McCormick? Do I like Riley Green or Jaron Duran? Do I like Riley Green or Masahiro, uh, Masataki Yoshida, James Altman, Brandon Nimmo? In, in those kind of head-to-heads, Ray, I actually like Riley Green. I, I actually lean to him over that, that crew of other outfielders going around the spot that he's landing. Yeah, and remember, this is not... You know, me saying these things and people going, oh, Brian Reynolds. Eh. Remember, Riley Green is 6'3", 200 pounds, strong on defense, strong on the base pass, strong in the in the batter's box, a top five overall draft pick and thought of as a foundational piece. Yeah. Like this, I, we're just, I think we're just, I think he's a good stock to buy, if that makes sense. Because right now the price point is such that I don't think you're going to be disappointed. And I think there's room for growth. Because those numbers that I talk about, Brian Reynolds there, you know, the 280, 20, 80, 80, 12, or whatever I said, everyone goes, eh, you know where that gets you at the end of the season? You're like player 74. Yeah. You know, like, like that, that because guys miss time and injuries and all that kind of stuff. So I think he's a growth stock. Uh, and again, I don't I don't think you're going to be disappointed with, with getting him there. Uh, and how many guys have the potential to be a star that are 23 years old with this pedigree 
at that point in the ADP? And the answer yeah. is there's none but him. Well, and even going back a bit, Ray, uh, you know, guys like Torrey Hunter, who were good, mm-hmm. had a couple of really strong seasons, but never great, but good. And I don't think Green's maybe the defender, obviously, that Hunter was. But I, I just hope Green goes a route that avoids, like, the route of a Gregory Polanco. You know, where Gregory Don't Polanco do that, was, Kyle. Come on. Yeah, I know, I know. But, like, <laughs> Polanco came up with high, uh, with yeah. hype, all sorts of hype. Mm-hmm. And had the 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 height, the weight. You know, he looked like a baseball player. Looked like a stud. I remember seeing him live and in person. I was yeah. lucky enough to be near the guy. Looked like a stud, like this guy. And he had moments, Ray, but never that anything happened. And it was just kind of a bust overall for Polanco. And I hope that doesn't happen with Green. I think we're so early in the process where I'm not even. I mean, he's 23. I mean, there there is a lot of of ground still to cover in his career. I like him a lot. Um, certainly a guy that I'll be interested on draft day. As for some uh, other topics with this Detroit team, right? Uh, we hit you with four questions. Question number one, and I think you know, I've mentioned this a couple of times, and maybe we've even mentioned this guy a couple of times, Tarek Skubal. Uh, people are going to start looking at their uh, draft charts and their ADPs and their rankings, and they're going to see Tarek Skubal as like a top 20, maybe even top 15 dude, according to people. He's getting a lot of hype, Ray. And when there's hype like this, you know, we have to at least throw out the possibility. Could he be an SP one? Cause that's where the hype is leading us here. I, I struggle with the idea of counting on him to make the leap and to take 80 really good innings and turn them into 175. He's never done that. And he's had issues that I, I, I'm kind of missing the boat on the scuba hype. I get it. I saw it. But to me, Ray, he doesn't, He's not a guy that I'm going after. I know a lot of people love getting them some Terry Scooble here in the early days of draft season. I think one of the real problems, and it's really fascinating, his ADP is right there alongside Tyler Glasnow, another guy that you, it's hard to see the volume. You look at Scooble's innings pitched, like I'm giving some rough numbers here. In 2020, it was 30. In 2021, it was 150. In 2022, it was 115. And last year, it was 95. So in the last four years, he's thrown 120 innings one time. That, you know, when we're talking, because when we're talking talk, to me, right, when we're talking about drafting a guy at the point we're talking about him coming off the board, like around 50th overall, to your point, drafting basically to be an SP1. When you have a guy coming off the board at that point and, you know, you look at his track record and it's like, I'm at 130 innings if everything goes great, maybe 140. Isn't that, doesn't that cause pause? And it doesn't for people. And I'm, you know, yeah. in the seventh round, cool. In the third, fourth round, like. It's just I, a, I could see Detroit saying, hey, it's time, dude. You're the guy. Let's give you 175 innings. If he's able to handle it, I don't think Detroit will, like, scale back, you know. Whereas if you're with the Dodgers, they're not letting you get to 170. You know, some teams don't. Detroit, I think, would let him, Ray, if he's able to, you know, if he's able to take the ball every five Well, days. again, I mean, he's got he's got one inning, one season of 140 the last four. So even if they – and that's the thing. Even if they want him to, what does that look like? Because we can all say, right, well, our goal is to have him throw 170 innings. He might get to 130 and he looks gassed. Like, we don't mm-hmm. know. He might get to 130 look great. I think that happened with Yuri Perez last year with the Marlins. He ended up looking better than they thought, so they let him go longer than they anticipated. I think that Scoobal showed last year, obviously, um, that he can be a dominant force. And let's not forget, in 2022, he's really good as well. Yeah. Right? So this is not just, a you know, 10 starts here that, you know, lit the world on fire. I think the problem we're running into is the hype is out of control. It's out of control. And, you know, he hit 100 the other day in camp. We were joking about it on the show. You know, his ADP, in the month of March, his ADP is 53, 53 overall at the NFBC. That number is going to be inside the top 50 by the time we get to March, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's going to keep going up. And that's where we're running into the issue. Is he going to have the volume for a guy you're going to have to take in the fourth round? Um, and, you know, we were talking about Keller and the Pirates, and I kind of mentioned that role he has of even if you don't have your stuff, you're out there to soak up innings. You know, we kind of need you because of what we have behind you. Detroit has a little more behind Tarek Skubal, um in the bullpen, but also in the rotation. And this leads to question number two, Ray. Jack Flaherty and Kenta Maeda, they come in, rebound candidates. Both, neither, are one. To rebound. Who, who do you like? Do you like both? Where do you stand well, on these two vets? I don't I don't think Maeda gets a rebound per se because I just don't think there's volume with Maeda. I think Maeda is still a very good pitcher. I mean, even last year, you know, you, you look at him 1.17 whip, 10 strikeouts per nine. Like he's still good. The problem is he's a 120 inning guy. That's all it is at this stage of his career. 
He's an aging player. He's going to be 36 in April. I think we get more of the same from Maeda. So I think if you draft him expecting that, I think you're in a good spot. Flaherty is the hard, the difficult one. You got a chance to see Flaherty for years, Kyle. Maybe this is a better question for you, but it seems like there, there are moments with Flaherty. We saw moments last year. I mean, he had a strikeout, an inning, you know, all that kind of stuff. He seems to, I don't know, kind of do his own thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of contentious stuff between him and front office. And, you know, his whip is 1-6. Let me say that again. His whip is 1-6. The yeah. last 180 innings he's pitched. I think he can rebound, but he was, he's been so poor the last couple of years. Even a rebound doesn't get him to the level of excitement in the mixed league. You mentioned me being here in St. Louis and seeing a lot of Jack Flaherty. You know, as, as we go around, we used to do this a lot more pre-COVID and stuff, but we'd run into other experts and stuff. And, you know, Ray, oh, you're a Giants guy. Let me talk to you about your Giants. You know, everybody's got their team, and I'm like yeah. the only St. Louis guy. I'm the only guy out of St. Louis. So, you know, I would get those questions. I remember Flaherty, Ray. Uh, when he was young coming up and he had that great second half that one year and everybody was hyped up and you know people would ask or I even remember being on air and Flaherty would go early and and it's not he's got the skills and the look and all that I I get why people were excited one thing from the very beginning and I always brought this up when people asked me about him is he did not handle a cheap base hit or a bad call by the ump that threw ball four and the guy he didn't handle those moments well at all. And when things started bad, they just kept going bad. And, and he would be frustrated on the mound. His body language was crap. And, and I was like, well, maybe he'll grow out of it. But right now, he, he takes this stuff too hard. He gets frustrated very easily. And I don't know if he's ever overcome it, Ray. Mm-hmm. And maybe now he's adult enough to where those frustrations come out and kind of being a jerk to media and kind of, you know, kind of standoffish with his own teammates and stuff. And I have never met Jack Flaherty. I hate saying these things, but these are the perception I get after watching him for five years, you know, and there have been injuries and I get it. And I I think there's still something in there, Ray, but Mm -hmm. it's like, he almost needs to make a mental adjustment to, to, to get to that level, which maybe for a year, maybe in a new spot like Detroit, maybe realizing, Hey, I went as a free agent and I got a one-year deal. No, nobody. And I was thinking I was going to get a five year hundred and, you know, not this year, but like right. two years ago, he probably would have thought I'm going to have a good two years and I'm going to go into the market and I'm getting a Zach Wheeler contract. You know, I'm getting five years and 120 million and he didn't come close to that. So maybe this is a kick in the pants. I, I'm not going to draft it. I'm not going to draft Maeda, but it, it, Flaherty still has the talent. It's just a matter, I think, of kind of getting him on the straight and narrow and focused as to you know, what pitching is and kind of busting through the, the challenges of pitching. I think a best case scenario this year for him would be Jack and Nick Pavetta last year. I think that's the best case scenario. I think it should be pointed out for what it's worth. He's got one season in four years where he's thrown a hundred innings. There've mm-hmm. been a lot of injuries that since he had that mad, pretty magical 2019, it's all gone wrong to Kyle's point. Really? So yeah, he, I think that he gets drafted in the reserve rounds in a mixed league or he doesn't get drafted at all. And then, you know, his first three outings in April, he's great. Everyone picks him up. His first three outings in April are bad. No one looks at him until June. I think that's how it goes. Well, and and remember real quickly last year, um, you know, he's kind of pitching well for the Cardinals in midseason and that got him to Baltimore. Like that was Baltimore's move. Like, you know, let's maybe we'll get two good months out of Jack Flaherty. He's, He's looking good. And he was mostly terrible with the Orioles. Um, they threw him in a pennant race and it didn't work. Uh, I, I think his first start was like awesome. Everybody, like, what a great move by Baltimore, and then nothing after that. So he's a he's a tough nut to crack, as they say. Uh, question number three on the Tigers: We talked about the youth and all the hype and the guys coming up. Uh, one of these young guys, Ray, um, that doesn't get talked about, but I'm going to talk about him because he's probably the leadoff hitter, Parker Meadows. Now, this is indeed, right, the brother of Austin? That's right. I believe that is accurate, yeah. Uh, So this is Austin Meadows' brother, who also was a player who came up with Pittsburgh hype, (laughs) you know, another guy. And it never really – I mean, Meadows had moments, Meadows had years, but I think it's fair to say um, it's been less than people expected for Austin Meadows. Parker's not coming with that hype, right? Nobody's seeing him as a world beater. But I wonder, as a leadoff hitter in this lineup, a guy who – handled himself decently last season is there interest here should we be i hear nothing about parker meadows should we be well i think i'm gonna say for the general fantasy player you're probably fine paying no attention 
But I will say there is a scenario, and I don't know what the odds are great at this, but there's a scenario where he goes 20-20 this year and scores 85 runs. And, you know, I think he's always shown an ability to control the strike zone. If he's walking, you know, like he did last year, almost 12% walk rate, if he's doing that out of the leadoff spot and he's playing every day, yeah. you know, that there's some heat there. And he definitely could hit 20 home runs at the big league, and I think he could steal 20 bases at the big league level. Yeah, now, if he's getting on base with those walks, right, 25 steals is very, very doable. Yeah, and I don't – again, I, I'm not saying – remember remember what I said. I'm not saying the odds of this are good. I, I don't yeah. believe they are. But if you're one of the people that likes to take shots on youngsters, and you're right, for a youngster that could go 20-20, no one's talking about them. And again, rare. Leadoff hitter. That's yeah. just if, if this were the same guy hitting eighth, Ray, I'm not talking about him, but I am because he's leading off. Yeah, we've got him in the sixth tier, right at the top of the sixth tier in the rankings in the outfield over at fantasyguru.com. And he's like, I, I, I'd like to push him a little bit higher, but I don't want to start the hype train, you know, so the people start because I know how this goes. Ray, you like him? Oh, you yeah. 88 <laughs> last week, he's 75 last week, and then people you are taking don't him want to tie your reputation to Parker Meadows. Yeah, just right. Yeah, <laughs> I will say I do have Parker Meadows. Let me check that to verify. I think I have Parker Meadows on my dynasty league team. I think I grabbed him last year, okay. so I, I do have a personal interest as I script. Yeah, I do. I have Parker Meadows. Uh, and by the way, if you're in dynasty leagues, pay attention late because I picked up Parker Meadows, uh, Evan Carter, and Nolan Chanuel in a full. 50-person dynasty league wow. in the second half of the season when people were paying attention to fantasy football or something. Um, I think Parker Meadows, yeah, he is a dark horse breakout candidate. I think that's a fair way to put it. Fourth question here, and this one uh, kind of popped up yesterday because the Tigers actually made a, a late addition to the club. Uh, Gio Urshela signed with Detroit, and so now, Ray, we've got an absolute mess at third base. Uh, you and I had talked about, I think it was, was it Veerling maybe earlier, mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. yeah, or McKinstry third base is just one of those things. I think Detroit wants a guy there, uh, but I don't know who that guy, Andy Abani is. Now I think Andy Abani is a bench guy. There's no interest there, but Jace Young, a rookie is, is a top 75 rookie in prospect list. Third base Ray is a spot where there's a lot of moving parts. Verling, McKinstry, maybe or Shella. Now it's kind of a weird position, but it is a battle to to maybe keep an eye on this spring. Yeah, I don't. Ursula is kind of like that handcuff running back, the guy that does just enough to tick you off because your top guy doesn't get the ball more. I think that's where Ursula is. He's a strong defensive player. He's capable with the bat, and teams find value in his versatility, right? So he makes teams and he, he oftentimes is one of these players that gets more work than you anticipate at the start of the season for those reasons. But, you know, talking about a standout skill, there's no standout skill here. And he's always going to be in danger of a younger player with more talent usurping his playing time. Uh, it's, it's, I see, and I, I say that, I mean, his playing time could be 300 plate appearance. It could be 475. Like there's a, like you said, there's a wide spectrum here, but I think Ursula himself, it's not of interest in a mixed league. It's more about him blocking other players opportunities and it is him ascending in the fantasy space uh speaking of prospects with this team uh colt keith he's probably penciled in for opening day they gave him a big contract bought out all of his arbitration years even bought out a couple of free agent years uh, we've yet to see him in the big leagues but the writing on the wall says he's going to make this team jackson job is a pitcher that you might be hearing from later in the season midsummer as he progresses, but I think Colt Keith Ray is probably the, not that he's the best prospect that Detroit has, but he's the one where I think people are going to be talking about him going into the season the most. Yeah. He, he got paid. He got a six year, $28 million contract. And one of the big things obviously with young players is where they're going to be at in terms of writing checks. Right. And with Colt Keith, it's locked in. We know what the Tigers know what they're going to pay. There we go. There's no disincentive for them to avoid playing him because he's locked in, right? You're paying him the salary. He goes down to the minors, still getting paid. So um, Colt Keith is, you know, he, he came up as a third baseman, but there's always been this, you know, is he really going to stick there? Second base is probably his long-term home. It's even more solidified now with the signing of Ursula that we just discussed. And, you know, he's a, he's going to be a good offensive player. Is he a star caliber player? Does he do anything outstanding? Well, he's got a lot of pop. He can end up being a 30 home run guy. He could be one of the, the rare middle infielders. Well, not rare. I used to say rare. I'm thinking Dan Ugla type. If that makes sense, if you're old like me and Kyle, a guy mm. that could you know hit 30 home runs, maybe he only you know steals two bases, right? He's not like Francisco Lindor. He's not a dynamic guy like that, but he's he's got some sock in that bat, and I think he'll he'll be quite effective offensively. More of a batting average home run guy though 
than any anything in the speed department. All I ask you, and we've kind of made, a, or I have made a lot of references to, I hope this guy is this guy, or I hope this guy isn't this guy. Um, I hope that Colt Keith does not travel the path of Scott Kingery oh, with the Philadelphia God. Phillies. Because, Ray, that was the ah. same thing. Middle infielder, they gave him money before he yeah. did anything. I don't even think Scott Kingery has a job now. That was five years ago that yeah. the Phillies gave him all that money. And it wasn't, you know, it's all relative. I mean, $28 million for Colt Keith, what's the loss? Hell, you got him for seven, eight years? There's nothing to lose there. And, you know, Kingery was different because he was more dynamic all around than Keith. He In his second full season, he had 19 home runs and 15 steals. Yeah. And they thought they had a guy. He's now, how old do you think he is, Kyle? 28? Yeah, he's 29. 29, uh, yeah. Last but year, he got, he got, I remember his spring training rate when he signed that mm -hmm. contract. He was having a good spring, mm -hmm. and then he got that money, and everybody mm -hmm. in our universe just went wild for him. Yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> he 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 went. Uh, he he had twenty four steals, thirteen home runs last year at AAA with a seven twenty five OPS. So he's still kicking around, Kyle. Still trying, still trying. Um, new arrivals. We talked. Uh, Urshela was just yesterday. Flaherty, Maeda, um, Andrew Chafin, uh, Mark Canna is a name to mention. Mm -hmm. uh, we were talking about Parker, Parker Meadows as a leadoff guy. If Meadows fails, Canna could maybe get into that spot. Um, we always end it on these team previews, Ray, with a, a guy to take a chance on, a guy to pass on. Who's your to take a chance on guy? Yeah, my guy, it's the guy we talked about, Riley Green. I took a chance on him the other night in uh, labor. He's on my squad there, and I think he should be on everyone's squad this year as well. I am going to say, and I hate saying this because this is going to be one of my late, yeah, maybe not late game targets, but Ray, I'm going to say Alex Lang. Um, hmm. I, I was in on Alex Lane last year and it was not an easy watch. Okay. He, he, he has walk issues like a lot of young closers, but he also has dynamite stuff and the Tigers stuck with him. And I think last year where the pressure wasn't quite to the level that it's probably going to be at this year was a great learning thing for Alex Lang. And I think if this team were to make a sudden leap to like 88, 90 wins, Alex Lang would be a big part. Like a dot, kind of, I'm not saying the numbers would be the same, but the Orioles took this big leap, and who was a huge part of it? Felix Bautista. Dude was unhittable. They, every ninth inning, it was over. I'm not saying Lang's that guy, but if the I'm not saying the Tigers are the Orioles, but to a level, if Detroit gets to 88, 90 wins, I think Alex Lang could make to a level that kind of move. And maybe it's more raw numbers. Uh, I don't think the cost is anything right now. I like Alex Lang. He's kind of a, a perfect RP two. As I build a bullpen, I love guys like Alex Lang because I, I could see 36 saves because the team's winning. They they get that that good juju, if you will, and things just fit like Baltimore did last year. I could see that with Detroit. So he's my take a chance. My my pass on Ray is Scooble. Um, the price is really high. And, and I think it was Jeff Zimmerman. I read this uh, with uh, Fangraphs. He's still with Fangraphs, I believe. Uh, Jeff's been with them forever. We know Jeff. Great guy. Does a lot of good work. And I think it was maybe a month ago, Ray, I was reading something he'd written on Scooble. And it, or he was going through like overrated guys for the year. And mm -hmm. Scooble was on his list. And he brought up the fact that the competition. So I looked it up. Here it is. It, it, and Scooble was good. But Oakland twice. Royals twice. White Sox twice. Marlins, Guardians, Giants. Guardians again. Two against the Guardians and the Angels. These were, and that Angels was when Trout and Otani were gone. And Rendon, don't forget him. Yeah. And, and, and Ray, he has no choice in that matter. I get it. That's mm -hmm. not saying Terry Scooble only chose bad teams to pitch again. But like, really, I think it worked out. How many starts did he have last year? Do you have 15, that? what is it? I'll pull it up. And I think like 11 of them. Bad offenses. These are bad offenses. All those offenses were like 22nd or lower in terms of rank. So I, I worry about that, Ray. There, there's the inning side, all that, but I think he was also beaten up on some lousy, lousy hitting last year. Yeah, and he was, he was pitching like a Cy Young winner too. I mean, there's that, you know, so there – yeah, I, I think it's fair. And, again, we talked about it. I like Scooble. I'd love to have him on my team, but that price is getting so high, it's just tough to justify it. Is he your pass on, or do you have somebody else? Uh, is the other guy we talked about. He'll Jack Flaherty. I, I've seen it. I'm out. Like, I, you know, <laughs> if, if I'm wrong – it's kind of like you said earlier in the show today – if I'm wrong about him, I'm wrong about him. That's okay. I don't, you know, I do I foresee a 3-2 ERA and 210 strikeouts? No. So I'm just, I don't care if he's throwing 97 in spring and everyone's excited. I'm out. 
That is your team preview for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, we hit one each and every day here on FSD. Another uh, set coming your way beginning next week. Um, also next week, the big week, outfielders, is the position we're going to profile on the show. Uh, today we finish up with the shortstop position. Um, and, Ray, we always finish up with prospects. And let's just say it from the top, a lot of guys you can draft late here. There are a lot of guys here where if you're in Dynasty League, you know all these guys. Um, if you're in redraft leagues, you know, if you're going, I don't know, 350 picks or so, 325, what it, you know, some of these guys are going to be drafted regardless. Jackson Holiday going to be drafted everywhere. I think Jordan Lawler probably will be. But these other guys, Ray, it's not that we look at them and say, oh, yeah, they're going to start the year in the major leagues. Um, a lot of these guys are probably June, July, August call-ups. But everybody thinks these dudes can play. I mean, all these guys that you're looking at here, Holiday, Lawler, Luciano, Mayer, Rocchio, Merrill, Lee, these are all considered, I think, universally, Ray, top 50 prospects in Major League Baseball right now. Yeah, when we were young, that was Garcia, Pera, A-Rod, and, and Jeter, right? They were going to reinvigorate the shortstop position. And I don't know if the shortstop position needs reinvigorating. But there is a huge group of young, talented guys, like to your point, Kyle, that aren't just good prospects, that are elite-level prospects that play shortstop. And uh, a lot of these guys are 20, 21 years old. They're really young. But with the way teams are looking at things nowadays and their willingness to let players who are mentally and physically prepared to grow at the major league level versus down on the farm, we're going to see these guys earlier than we would have probably 25 years ago, and the game's better for it. I, I feel like we haven't talked enough and and we've already done our Arizona and Cleveland preview, but Ray, we didn't spend much time on Jordan Lawler or Brian Rocchio and both those young guys. You know, Lawler's got to prove he can hit and maybe we'll see where Arizona wants to handle Perdomo. I, I thought Perdomo was just an awesome defensive shortstop last year, watching more and more of him in October. So I don't want to sit here and say Lawler is ticketed for, for the starting nine, but both those guys, Lawler and Rocky O'Ray, their team wants them to be the starting shortstop this year, both Cleveland and Arizona. Yeah, I took Lawler. I'm trying to remember. I think it was 29th. It was 28th to 29th round in the labor draft that we had the other night. Uh, Perdomo's going to start at shortstop, and we'll see. Lawler did not look good in the 14 games he played. It's two weeks. Who cares? Uh, Lawler is in a, a potentially elite, not just elite prospect, but a potentially elite fantasy player. Because he's not like Colt Keith. He is someone that will steal bases. And there's 20-20 oozing here. Maybe even 30-30 if everything comes together for Lawler. So he is definitely someone that's ex really exciting. I'm not claiming this year or anything. Don't get me wrong. But he's got dynamic fantasy skills. Rokio is, you know, he's 5'10", 155. He's more of a, a complete player. I don't think that, you know, you look at him and you think that there's anywhere near as an exciting overall offensive game. But he's got a good hit tool. Uh, he should be a at least... I'm going to say he's not a league average batting guy. He could be a 275, 280 hitter. He's better than league average there. He could still be a double digit basis. So yeah. he's not as sexy, but it certainly is possible that he has a, a, a greater fantasy season because he just gets more work. That's the potential here. We've talked loads about holiday. Everybody's going to be following that story. We touched on Marcelo Merrill with Boston. I think he's up at some point. Jackson Merrill, by the way, is with San Diego. I, I think if they really kind of falter, we're going to see him. Uh, Brooks Lee with Minnesota. You could very easily see him. It's not going to take much. How about your guy in San Francisco, Ray? Marco Luciano. Where, mm -hmm. What's the standing? I, I feel like there was a lot of initial excitement. And it's kind of just slowly faded over the last two years or so. Yeah, because he's old at 22. It's just passed him by. <laughs> the, the thing with Luciano is that you know, he he was he's coming up as a shortstop and there was always the question of would he age out of shortstop and become a third baseman? And I think that's that's starting to become more of a thing. And he's he's, le he's just less exciting if you're playing third base versus shortstop. His exit velocity numbers are off the charts like he mashes the baseball. Problem is that he's got holes in his swing. And I'm not saying he's Joey Bart, but there's issues here. And he's going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. The Giants are praying that he's not the new Joey Bart. <laughs> But there's issues there. And when you, you know, when he hits it, he kills it. He doesn't hit it enough. Um, that's something they've just got to work on. He, he he gets a little pull happy at times. And again, you know, he hits moonshots and everyone's like, whoa, like you see it, but there's work to be done. He's still a little raw. They got seven names here, Ray. Um, if you are in one of those leagues, 12 teams, mixed league, 29 rounds. So that's uh 348 picks. Mm -hmm. How many of these seven should be drafted? We're not saying you have to right. draft in a, in a typical – do all these guys need to be drafted in that, in that kind of setup? 
I don't think so. I'm going to say Holiday should be drafted. I again, I took Waller, so hopefully he should be drafted. Uh, the rest of the guys, I'm going to say. I would get a say, Ray. I'm like at five or so. Really? I think. See, yeah. well, again, it depends. It really depends on your bench size and how your t- your league handles the waiver wire. If you're playing the NFBC rules, I mean the the, the, in, the injured list. If you're playing the NFBC and there's no IL spot. You can't be taking just zeros because when a guy gets hurt, there's no one on the bench you can put into your lineup. If you've got unlimited IL spots or you got six IL spots or something like that, then these players are much more attractive because they're easier to carry when they're not playing in the big leagues. Yeah. I would think disregarding the IL, if I've got mm-hmm. 29 rounds, i.e. six bench rounds, mm-hmm. again, I, I think it's Holiday, Lawler, mm-hmm. Mayor, Rokio, and Lee. That's fair. Those are the guys that I think would be – um, and if I'm there in the 29th round and any of these guys are available, I'm probably taking them. Um, I always love having a rookie. I have found over the years, Ray, and I don't know if every league's like this. And, and we're not a league that's crazy with trades, but I have found in my league, nothing is more tradable than a prospect when they get called up on the verge or, yeah. you know, anything yeah. that, that's, I've been running that game for, and it ha- again, I don't want people to think when I say I've been running, they, oh, it works every year. It doesn't. I've traded Mike Trout in that setup, okay? <laughs> it, it did not work. <laughs> I remember I got – I, I think I got – it wasn't was Cindergard. I know I got David Wright. It was years ago in a keeper league, and it didn't work out anyway. Well, I don't need Mike Trout nowadays. And because, you know, again, my labor write-ups over at the site, it's free. Everyone can read it. Because of the way my team came together and the way the board looked, I was going to do something I don't normally do. I was going to take two of these guys. I'm okay. looking at my draft right now. Lawler was the 27th round pick. I was going to take uh, Manzardo in the 29th. Mm. Uh, but he didn't, you know, the first baseman uh, with the, the Cleveland, he didn't fall to me. He went like four picks before me. And you know who also went the pick before I ended up with Nolan Shanuel because I needed corner infield? The Giants, Mr. Luciano. So someone, Kyle, in that draft agrees with you, and that someone was uh, Ryan Bloomfield of Baseball HQ. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of your write-ups, Ray, uh, we're going to talk Velo. Uh, That is the article we are spotlighting in the Fantasy Guru Draft Guide. Uh, This is from a pitcher angle. Uh, Guys who gained it and lost it. Uh, Take us through the 2023 review, Ray. Yeah, this is a, a long article with all kinds of data points and everything. So go to the site again. It's a 2023 review. I added loss velocity. Uh, the baseball has never been thrown harder than it was last season. I don't think that surprises anyone. The average fastball was 94.1 miles an hour. When Kyle and I were kids, there were 20 guys in baseball that threw that hard, like legitimately. Like this game has evolved so so quickly. So and and I, I mean. Jordan Hicks, the, the Giants, he's going to try to start. He averaged 100 miles an hour on a pitch last year. Johan Duran averaged 101.8. <laughs> and when we were a kid, Nolan Ryan would hit 99, and they would write it up in the newspaper. <laughs> like, Durant averaged almost 102 miles an hour. I don't know how anyone hits a single thing that guy throws because it's all darting and moving too. So the article talks about, you know, the upper end velocities and everything. And I think that, you know, as we see there on the on the sheet, we have to determine why or why not the player added or lost velocity. Normally, the assumption is if he added velocity, he fixes mechanics. That's normally what we assume, right? If he loses velocity, we assume he's hurt. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case. Sometimes a guy goes from the rotation to the bullpen or the other way around. Sometimes age just catch up. The arm's not hurt. It just doesn't got the juice like it used to anymore. So I think that's the first point, Kyle, is trying to determine why a guy jumped or fell and that's, that's the way we should always begin this conversation. I, I'm always a little more interested in the lost. I feel like the added side, Ray, it's like, well, that's rear view mirror, you know, doesn't really help me. Like, I'm not getting an edge. Everybody knows who's added. And right. I kind of missed the boat, if you will, on gaining the edge there. Mm-hmm. The lost, the, the reason the lost is important to me, Ray, is I wonder if it's the beginning of something or it's the beginning of an end or it proves that they can't be. Like, I'm looking at the two names, certainly at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that? Clark Schmidt and Josiah Gray. Those are still two relatively young pitchers right. that, you know, you like to think there's there's in a perfect world, there's more to come. You know, there's upside there. But I, I see that and I kind of wonder what's going on, especially with Gray, who I, I think made some strides last year, but did it with less velo. Yeah. I mean, his velocity was 94 the previous two years. Last year was just under 92. So that's and, you know, you see Mitch Keller is actually on this list a little further down. He's not listed on the sheet, but he's on the list because he basically changes pitch mix up, started throwing the cutter more. 
So I, again, I think there's always reasons here, but when you, you know, you look at Daniel Bard, who's approaching 40, it's like, all right. right? I get it. <laughs> yeah. But like, and you know, Eric Lauer, whether he's thrown 92 or 89, nah, he, and he was hurt last year, but Clark Schmidt and Josiah Gray, that's a concern because you, you know, we have to then dive in deeper to see what did they do to offset the velocity loss? Because if that wasn't a plan, right? Like we started, all of a sudden we're throwing change-ups. All of a sudden we're going split finger. Like if that wasn't part of the plan, we got an issue. Because, I mean, you know, Josiah Gray, 94, 94, 92. Clark Schmidt, 93, 95, 92. So he's an, a little more interesting because his, his level last year was much closer to 2021 because of, I think, a role change in 2022. But it, it, there... The, the loss of velocity, I agree with you. Everyone talks about Tarek Skubal hitting 100 on the gun. I get that. But digging in and, and seeing this list, you know, Noah Syndergaard's on this list. Like, there's names on the, the I've lost velocity list that make you very nervous. Uh, so you can dig more into uh, the column over in the draft guide. It's available. Again, use that promo code FSD20. Get the $50 all-season package for $40. That includes the guide, and it includes season-long coverage courtesy of Ray Flowers. That's from now till uh, November, pretty well. October, at least. Let's just say that. <laughs> you, you don't do that much in October. Maybe recap stuff in October. I, recap stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of that. Uh, a couple of news and notes on the baseball side. Houston encouraged by Justin Verlander. Uh, he threw on the uh, bullpen side. Uh, he's dealing with a shoulder injury. We'll see. You know, it's, it's they're going to take it slow with him in spring training. Um, he'll know when he's right, and uh, we'll all know at that point. Uh, the, the White Sox closer by committee continues to be even more committee-ish. Uh, John Brebbia, who might be the favorite there, is now dealing with a calf injury. Uh, so he's going to miss time in that competition for the ninth inning. Talked about Detroit, Kerry Carpenter dealing with a hamstring injury. He might actually bat fourth or fifth mm -hmm. for the Tigers team. Uh, so Carpenter dealing with a hamstring. They're going to take it easy in camp. And again, um, tomorrow's the day. we got uh, pretty well everybody in baseball, I think, playing on Saturday, Sunday, Ray and I, if anything develops during spring training, Ray and I will, of course, talk about it every day right here on FSD. On the NFL side, couple of uh, just, you know, house cleaning things. Sounds like the Colts are going to use the franchise tag on Michael Pittman, or at least they're very willing to do that. Um, Raiders, Ray, are pretty well set to let Josh Jacobs walk, which, you know, writing's been on the wall here. And, and this is how running backs are treated. I think all these guys, Henry, Barkley, Jacobs, some others, everybody's fine with letting them walk. I mean, how, how many running backs do you see stick with their same team on a multi-year contract? It's just so few and far between at this point. It is. And, you know, it, it, when, you, when you're when you like Jacobs, who's had all that success with the Raiders, the inclination is the team wants to keep him around. And maybe they do. But when Zamir White comes in and it's yeah. pretty damn good, pretty damn effective, and you're not paying him anything, <laughs> you know, if it, but you know, as a team, what do you do? Right. And that's the issue. Like if Josh, Josh Jacobs wants, you know, 10, $12 million, he's not getting it a year. Not, it's, he should have, he tried last year, didn't get it. He's not getting it this year. He did not look like the same player he was previously. And again, Samir White looked perfectly fine as a, as a replacement for him on the field. You know, and, and, and Ray replacement is the word, you know, the replacement cost for Josh Jacobs is, is pretty minimal. Mm -hmm. The replay, let's say we're a similar guy at a different position. Uh, Kirk Cousins. You know, Kirk Cousins oh. isn't the greatest quarterback. He's not the worst. He's a good quarterback, like Jacobs, good running back. Mm -hmm. But the replacement cost for a Kirk Cousins is immense. Yep. And so whenever you are very difficult to replace, you earn a lot more money, <laughs> quite simply. <laughs> and frankly, Jacobs is good at what he does. Saquon Barkley's good at what he does. Austin Eckler's pretty decent at what he does. <laughs> easy to replace. So that's the problem. Speaking of the Chargers, do you see their, their run, 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 Ray? Yeah. That, that's what we're hearing. Despite Justin Herbert being in that pocket, run, mm -hmm. run, run is what we're hearing from these guys. Well, Jim Harbaugh and Greg Roman. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, this is, and it, it will be fascinating. And we'll, we'll obviously dive into it at fantasyguru.com. You can see there on the screen, we've got the offseason franchise mode for football available. If people want to sign up for that. It, you know, it's got all the reviews of last season, access to everything we've written, uh, a look toward the draft, all that kind of stuff. Um, they're they could and i saw this written they could be a better team but maybe herbert's not as good a fantasy option i don't know. they got a lot of choices to make is mike williams where's mike williams where's keenan allen what are they doing that you know what are they doing with austin eckler like the whole team is kind of in flux but i really do in the fantasy space prefer justin herbert throwing it 39 times than 29 times well, i'll tell you one thing it is an easy sell for all these running backs ray yeah to go to the chargers and sure. hardball 
I mean, and and I just think, it, and I don't know exactly what the Chargers cap situation is. I assume it's not great, but you mentioned Mike Williams. You can let him walk. If you're going run heavy, you're now in the market for Derrick Henry. Yeah, totally. You're in the market for Saquon Barkley. And it sounds like, oh, they can't afford it. Yeah, they can afford those guys. Because, again, you're not having to give $20 million a year to these running backs. And with both uh, Henry and Barkley, it's maybe a two-year deal, three. It's not like you're committing eight years to these guys. So I, I think that'll be interesting to see with the Chargers. Uh, let's see. Speaking of the contracts, Derek Carr, I think Saints saved $23 million by restructuring. NFL salary cap. It's a wild it's so and woolly thing. It's <laughs> so fake. Yeah, but the so Saints are 80. If you're the capologist for the yeah. NFL team, I bet you feel like an absolute – king when you walk in there and go hey guys look i found a way to save us 23 million dollars <laughs> i found this little opening where we right. can save 23 million bucks <laughs> well what is the cap it's like 200 what is it you... i think it's, they expect it to go to 240 30 yeah year. so it's yeah. 225 or whatever the hell it is now the saints were 83 million over <laughs> like how come on man they do this every year too everyone knows but it's like it's also fake that's why yeah. you know all well, that matters it's, it's... It's like all accounting. It's creative yeah. accounting, Ray. That's yeah. what they, all like. for you, the listener and viewer. All that matters is the signing bonus, signing bonus, <laughs> and what's the guy getting paid this year? That's all that matters. The rest of it's just sure poppycock. Okay, uh, we will get ready for a weekend uh, full of fun and excitement. Ray's got baseball to watch, more columns, player profiles, all that stuff. We're back at you next Monday, eleven a.m. Eastern. Ray, you have a wonderful weekend, and we'll visit again in a few days. Poppycock, Kyle. Poppycock, he says. We'll leave you with that as we send you into the weekend. For Ray Flowers, I am Kyle Elfring. Thanks for joining us at Fantasy Sports Daily each and every weekday, 11 a.m. Eastern, powered by FantasyGuru.com.